You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. When Taiwan went into soft lockdown in May, a group of diaspora who had moved to Taiwan decided to fundraise for organizations assisting society's most vulnerable. They created the Taiwan COVID Relief Fundraiser, and before they launched it a few days ago, I spoke with three of the seven organizers, Catherine, Kevin, and Jane. We talked about how the charities benefiting the fundraiser provide direct assistance to the homeless, disabled, migrant workers, and survivors of domestic violence, and how all donations will go directly to the participating organizations. The fundraiser's organizing team has pledged to match the first 10,000 donated. Learn more about the fundraising team's novel approach to organizing the Taiwan COVID Relief Fundraiser and how it's given the charity organizations greater exposure to English language speakers and international donors. Since this interview was recorded and the fundraiser was launched, the matching goal of 10,000 was reached in the first three days. The Taiwan COVID Relief Fundraiser organizing team has secured an additional 15,000 of matching donations. So now the fundraising goal is 25,000, which when matched will mean that a total of 50,000 would be raised. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Great. So I'd like you to have each one of you introduce yourselves and to tell me what your connection to Taiwan is. We have uh, Catherine, Kevin, and Jane. Uh, Catherine, did you want to start off? Sure. Um, so big, big fan of the podcast. I'm really excited to be here today with you and um, with uh, Kevin and Jane. So my name is Catherine Cho. Um, I'm a second generation Taiwanese American. So I was born and raised um, entirely in the United States. Um, and um, like many people, um, moved to Taiwan uh, for the first time, really, um, despite having visited kind of year on year every year to see family. Um, so I was quite familiar with um, Taiwan, but I had never actually had the experience of living here. And um, like many people in 2020, um, had the chance um, to really fulfill this longstanding dream of spending more time here um, and um, having the kind of experience I think that you can only have um, when you become a resident and really try to integrate a little bit more um, into local society. Um, so I know both Kevin and um, Jane as personal friends. Um, Kevin and I met back in college um, in Itasa, uh, the Intercollegiate Chinese American Students Association. Um, so there's a really strong, broad network, I think, of um, diaspora organizations that sort of serve the second generation. Um, and Jane and I met here in Taiwan um, through a mutual friend, Tate Shea, who is also um, on the uh, fundraising host committee. Um, and so it's been a real delight to reconnect with old friends um, during this year here and also um, to make new friends. Great. Thank you for that. Nice to know about the TASA connection. Uh, Kevin, did you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Ditto, uh, Felicia. Thank you for having us on the show. My name is Kevin Lin. I am second generation Taiwanese American as well, like Catherine. I was born and raised in New Orleans. I spent some time meandering about the East Coast. Most recently lived in San Francisco 
for, gosh, 15 years now. Um, I've been in Taiwan since November. My parents are from Taiwan. My dad's from uh, Nantou and my mom's from Taichung. And I've kind of always wanted to spend some time out here. I grew up speaking Taiwanese. I actually don't speak Mandarin, so I'm somewhat useless here. But I, uh, it's been great. I've been here for seven months now. This is kind of the longest time I've lived anywhere since probably right after college. I've actually been in one place consistently for, for a long time. And it's been awesome. Um, and I think a big part of why I wanted to do this fundraiser to, is to give back to the community here that's been so welcoming for many of us who have escaped you know, COVID for a little while. Uh, but also really want to contribute here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm from the tech world, trying to you know, do what I can to, to integrate a little bit with the tech community out here and see what we can do. But yeah, giving back to a place when there's a time of need seems to feel like the right thing to do. And so when Jane and Catherine approached myself and a few others on, you know, getting together to, to do this, it just made sense. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, Jane, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, yeah, thanks, Felicia. I'm really glad to reconnect through this podcast. <laughs> so for me, I was born in Taiwan and went to the States with my parents when I was one and a half. So mainly grew up all over the U.S. Um, and then spent one year in ninth grade in Taiwan and then another year as a young professional, but never really lived for a long time in Taiwan beyond that. And um, it was really in after the financial crisis, I spent 10 years here. Like I didn't expect to, but it just sort of rolled into 10 years. And I, I consider it now kind of like my roots journey, kind of what Catherine was saying, where I not only have not lived in one place for longer than three or four years, just my whole life, but I also hadn't done that in Taiwan, my ancestral culture, right? And uh, my parents were here since college. So it was just a natural place for me to kind of, quote unquote, you know, unpack a lot of things and find out my next direction. Um, and so, yeah, um, along the way, uh, I got really interested in reversing the brain drain <laughs> and just like bringing people who cared about Taiwan together. And so I think this is kind of from that energy as well. And aside from the three of you, there are um, a host of other people on the organizing team. How many people are on the organizing team? Um, so we have joining us um, Jonathan Liao, who um, has been really instrumental. He built our website. <laughs> and um, he's also, um, I think, along with Jane, um, because we're a mix of um, second generation Taiwanese born and raised abroad and also a few of us like Jane and um, Jonathan have been partially educated partially raised in Taiwan um, and have begun like professional careers here in Taiwan so we're we're kind of a mix that way there's also um, Laura Huang who like me as a professor had spent summers here in Taiwan Kathy Chang, who is also known as Tricky Taipei, so she has a very popular blog um, and um, has done a lot of public-facing writing and outreach um, in English for Taiwan. Um, and you know, Taiwan is her is her home. So I think it's a really eclectic, interesting mix of us, spanning you know different types of experiences with Taiwan and sort of different family backgrounds as well. Could you guys tell me where did the idea for the fundraiser come from? How did you come up with this idea? So actually, I was inspired by Catherine and Kevin. So Catherine, at the soft lockdown in Taiwan started, had been really encouraging people to write op-eds about working from home and the safety aspect of that. 
uh, and just really doing her best. And, you know, I think it was very inspirational for anyone around Catherine, just like, what can we all do, right? Uh, and then Kevin had held a fundraiser for, you know, the aftermath of the Hualien train crash. And so I think just at first it was uh, sort of the BG Bat. So BG Bat is a community that I started build great bridges around Taiwan um, back in 2017. And um, it was sort of like inspired. I always have this kind of like, oh, let's just bring people together and we can collaborate um, and you know do so much more. And then as I talked with Catherine and Kevin about this, we sort of realized together that um, we needed a focal point, you know, um, that without you know, just collaborating on what, right? And um, we realized um, a fundraiser at this time for the vulnerable would really be the best that we can do to kind of bring those energies toward one direction. So it was very much developed together with Catherine and Kevin and also with Tade and Jonathan and uh, them on and then um, Laura and Kathy as well. How is the current situation over there? How are you guys holding up? What's it been like since Taiwan's been in a level three soft lockdown? Well... It's, um, you know, we still can go outside, right? So um, I think it's kind of like this is, uh, I think Catherine and I, is, I think all of us, this is our second lockdown from being in the U.S. last year. Um, so it's yeah. similar in that we can still go outside. Um, I think the we can see the stores suffering. So uh, just the livelihoods, people's livelihoods, um, and of course, actual lives just really impacted. So that part is... It's quite sad. How's it been for you guys? Um, yeah, as you say, right, it's our second lockdown for each of us. And so in that sense, like, I personally feel more mentally prepared. Um, and just that I had developed more coping mechanisms. Um, on the other hand, I think, even though I'm less worried personally about catching COVID, I'm sort of more worried about the society around me because Taiwan faces a lot of threats long-term existentially, um, structural, etc. And so I think it, it's, it's difficult not to worry. And so I think one thing, as Kevin mentioned, is trying to channel that anxiety, which is also like a different form, different manifestation of sort of love for Taiwan, channel that into something productive. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's not ideal. Um, having done nine months in San Francisco and, and coming out here, I live with my parents. And I think most of my experience this lockdown has just been kind of watching them relive the the fear. You know, they're they're 80. Well, my mom's 79. My dad's 80. We came out here to get away from this exact exact anxiety for them in their daily life, where literally, you know, they'll say like, if we go outside, we'll die, and that's that's the reality that particularly the elderly and those with pre-existing conditions live in COVID, and that's now here, which is very sad for a place that, that we all love. And, you know, talking to friends who own small businesses, I feel like Taipei is, you know, so many people have small businesses here, whether restaurants or shops, and they are obviously suffering. And, and they're trying their best to stay open and support their staff. That is a very hard decision to make as a small business owner. And I think by and large, you know, Taiwanese really appreciate the teams that they work with, but not that they don't elsewhere, but there's this, I don't know, there's this devotion to the team around you almost as a family that, you know, causes this feeling of, okay, we need to do our best. We need to figure this out. And, you know, everyone you talk to, particularly in the restaurant business, 
is saying, you know, business is just down and the best options like Uber Eats uh, are not actually profitable for them. And it's really just there to help. It's not a bad tool. I'm not saying it's a bad tool, but it helps them stay open. But they're certainly, you know, in some cases actually losing money by doing so and, you know, trickle all the way down to the causes that we're supporting. It's tough out there. It, it is obviously sad to see. You know, the vaccine situation doesn't really help. Luckily, my parents were able to get vaccinated this past Sunday, which is a huge relief because um, at least the first shot you know, protects from the severe cases after a couple of weeks. So that, you know, really lifted uh, their spirits quite a bit um, versus the past couple of months. But yeah, I think, you know, the good news for Taiwan is that vaccines do exist now, unlike in 2020. It's just a matter of getting them into our borders and, and distributed. And I think for the listeners out there that aren't going out, you have to get some sun, try to get some exercise. These are all routines that we've learned going through it in America or elsewhere. But it's very important to do so safely. I think the good thing is, I, I would say Taiwanese citizens generally have better discipline around wearing masks and social distancing and just generally good practices around how to avoid catching this thing. So that's been comforting to see. First of all, that's so wonderful, Kevin, that your parents got vaccinated. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really want to just echo too that I think it's a crisis for Taiwan, just like it has been for um other countries around the world. And at the same time, you know, hopefully we can get even more resilient coming out of this. Things happen that make us really have to be stronger as a society. And so hopefully we will be more resilient um, coming out of this. Yeah, I think one thing that's been interesting to jump on is that when we were in lockdown in the US, I did my first lockdown in a part of the country without masks, without any knowledge at that point, really about how COVID exactly was spread um, without sort of where I think mitigation measures were highly, highly politicized. And you see some of that happening in Taiwan now too, for sure, um, where now when Taiwan was one of the only places without community spread of COVID, um, it was easy to make global comparisons because you basically had like Taiwan and New Zealand, you know, Vietnam, few places on one side, and then everywhere else, the rest of the world on the other side. And now Taiwan has sort of joined a year and four months later, um, the experiences that the rest of the world um, had, has undergone. And, and I think overall, in the aggregate, there has been much less spread here. Um, than almost everywhere else in the world. And so I think that's really important to remember too, that um, there's been a lot of success still in containing this current outbreak. Um, and yet there are also now, everybody here now is faced with these kind of micro decisions, um, similar to what Kevin said about, you know, um, how to keep their um, businesses going, um, whether or not, um, you know, if their employers are not providing adequate support and um, protection and safe working environments right now, you know, what do they do um, as laborers, as employees? Um, you know, how do you sort of take care of your family right now? You know, socializing with your family is um, one of the main ways that COVID has spread everywhere around the world. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of these micro choices that um, those of us who had gone through lockdown elsewhere um, 
had to sort of get used to making. Um, and now people in Taiwan are faced with that too. And I think it does, it does take a psychological toll. It can be very difficult. Um, and as our partners um, in this fundraiser, our Taiwanese partners, the fundraiser have indicated to us um, because people's incomes here, Taiwanese people are incredibly generous, right? Incredibly, they'll, um, they help each other out. Um, and yet right now, a lot of, for a lot of people, their incomes, because there's people, here, many of them work sort of informally. Um, there's a big informal component to the economy. Um, and so a lot of people in small businesses, the service industry, informal employment, etc., have unstable income right now. And so they can't give as much to the organizations that need their help. And so we hope that we can fill in that gap. Good to know. Thank you for sharing what it's been like going through the soft lockdown in Taiwan. I can talk a little bit about some of the logistical issues we've run into or how why it is that the fundraiser ended up taking this particular format, which I think is sort of a unique one. To participate in the fundraiser, it's really simple. Um, we've designed a landing page website, taiwancovidrelief.com. That's Taiwan. COVID, C-O-V-I-D, relief, R-E-L-I-E-F.com. And the Taiwan part is spelled out. Once you go to this website, you'll be taken to a description of what the fundraiser is, which is to benefit um, the people who um, have really been the most affected by Level 3 Alert and the soft lockdown um, as a result of this COVID outbreak. Um, and so it's three simple steps. You choose a charity. Um, and so there are five nonprofit organizations to choose from. Um, we're extremely proud and honored to partner um, with these grassroots organizations. The first is Homeless Taiwan, Mang Tao Xing, which offers front frontline relief to the homeless in Taipei. Um, the second is Xing Zhu Lun Hong, which houses currently about 20 um, disabled individuals um, in a supportive living environment. And the third is 1919 Food Bank, Ijo Ijo, uh, which is one of the largest food banks in Taiwan. It's managed by the Chinese Christian Relief Association, um, Serve the People, um, which is based out of Taoyuan. Um, and so the Chinese name is um, um, and so they support migrant workers, um, especially those who are in need of shelter and legal advice. Um, because especially during the current outbreak, there has been a lot of discrimination against Southeast Asian migrant workers. Um, and so we're proud to partner with them to provide them with financial support for the really important work that they do. Um, and then the fifth is Garden of Hope, which is um, Li Xing, Di Jinghui in Mandarin. Um, and um, they work with single mothers and victims of domestic violence to provide them with direct cash assistance. And so you can choose any one of the organizations and just go ahead and click on the donate button. You'll be taken directly to the new English language donation platforms that these organizations have built. Um, and the money will go directly to the organizations. So we do not, as organizers, handle any money. Um, your money will go directly to these orgs at a moment when they need it the most. Um, and then step two, we ask you to fill out a fundraiser tally because we're doing a match of $10,000. So we want to thank our organizers on the host committee who have 
put forward their personal resources to do this match. Um, so fill out the tally so we can make the most of the match. Tell us what organization you donated to and how much. Um, and then the third thing we ask everybody to do is to share the fundraiser um, on their own social media, through their own personal networks, um, and get the word out. Can you tell me about some of the challenges you faced in setting up this fundraiser? I think there are several interesting issues that we ran into. Uh, number one, and we, we ran into this for the, the train fundraiser as well, which was number one, transferring U.S. dollars into Taiwan is, is not super easy to do. Number two, there aren't, so in the U.S., uh, there are a lot of pseudo crowdfunding platforms slash donation platforms, uh, most notably GoFundMe and Tiltify. And PayPal is also just much more prevalent there. And so during COVID last year in 2020, it was relatively easy to set up a donation page on GoFundMe. Obviously, there are, there's good and bad to that. In some cases, there's fraud. Uh, it's it's unclear where all the money's going, and it's not strictly a, a true donation, as in GoFundMe can be set up by anybody and doesn't necessarily track where the money ends up going, which is so, somewhat of a problem in itself. It's something that GoFundMe started to tackle in 2020 as a result of really kind of booming. But there aren't really too many tools out here that we could find that worked exactly that way, that made it really easy to click and donate, enter your credit card or bank information and donate to a cause and, and also clearly know where that that cause was legitimate and that you knew exactly where that money was going to be spent. So the work that Catherine and Jane ha ended up having to do was to find a solution that could that these organizations could use to take donations, international credit card donations in particular, and also translate those their sites into English, given a lot of folks that we are hoping will donate don't speak or read Mandarin necessarily. And so NetiCRM, which is, uh, I believe, an 11-year-old Taiwanese company, Catherine or Jane, you may want to correct me on that, does service nonprofits. It's, it's sort of a CRM, yeah, sort of donor management tool. Um, from what I can understand, in general, for nonprofits, they worked with us to build out these websites for some of these organizations and help them build these simpler landing pages that make donations a little bit more straightforward and easy. But it did take some time. I won't say it's a lack of technology here. It's just something that hasn't quite been built for the Taiwan market. And so we had to, you know, quote unquote, hack together a few things to make it easier on the end user to donate. Thank you. Actually, that's really good to know that the donations are going directly to the organizations uh, rather than going through something like GoFundMe or whatever. So it's important to note for the listeners. I do think that's a unique aspect of our fundraiser. And even though it took a lot more time to arrange, I think weeks longer to arrange, we are very glad that the money will go directly to accounts that the organizations themselves control. And so we don't have to facilitate splitting up the money in any way. I think just to reiterate and kind of corroborate <laughs> what Kevin said, that a lot of these organizations, I approached about 15 organizations initially and just wrote to them and to see if they would be willing to meet with me and talk with me about their operations and whether or not they were interested in receiving overseas donations, whether they would be able to build either in-house or via um, their membership with a company like NettyCrim to build an English language donation page and to sort of deal with the logistics and the legalities of receiving foreign money. And so the five organizations that we've ended up with, um, these are all organizations that I personally have donated to that I think 
if you follow news about Taiwan and sort of social justice in Taiwan and also volunteer opportunities on the ground, these organizations are well known. They come up a lot. Um, if you live in Taiwan and you're on Facebook, for example, like you will inevitably come across their Chinese language donation pages in your Facebook feed. And so these are all organizations that we trusted that we wanted to put our names behind. And and the feedback from them that we've gotten so far, you know, is that the vast majority of their donations come from people in Taiwan. And so the overseas donor market or the English language donor market is not really one that they had considered tapping before or, you know, it takes money, it takes time and labor to build these donation websites in a different language and to make sure that they're in compliance with laws about receiving foreign money. And so for for them, I think it was a choice, right? Do we do we sort of trust these strangers, i.e. me, <laughs> who's who have approached us, right, um, with this type of a project? Do we want to collaborate with our fellow organizations to be part of this fundraising sort of umbrella effort? And so we're really appreciative of the trust that they've put in us. And so in some cases, we sponsored the upgrade and membership with NettyCrim, for example, so that NettyCrim would build these new landing pages, new donation websites. Um, in other cases, the organizations built them in-house. And so it's, it's quite variable, I think, in terms of how they've decided to approach this issue of attracting and reaching out to foreign donors. And so, yeah, I think you really get a sense of, I definitely really got a sense of somebody who had never worked in Taiwan before, of how small organizations operate here, what their priorities are, who the audience they've been able to reach so far is. Um, and we, we hope to expand that audience by, <laughs> you know, by several fold. I just wanted to chime in and say, Catherine put in so much work um, just reaching out to these organizations and um, being the main contact point. And I remember, Catherine, you saying at some point that, you know, even just being able to help these organizations internationalize their donor market, right, and be able to bring in more donors around the world, I think, was a win already. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think... I think that we had this sort of internal debate and discussion about what the point of the fundraiser is. You know, if it's just to raise money because the diaspora is so tight knit, you know, you can approach your family and approach your friends and probably raise a certain amount of money very quickly. And just based on the fact that, you know, we, we're a community where we're only like two or three degrees of separation apart from one another. But I think the long-term hope is that these organizations will be able to use these new English language donation sites for their long-term fundraising, that they will also, I think there's a lot of discussion about Taiwan needing to globalize or Taiwan wanting to globalize. And I think our project has sort of provided an example and a learning experience for how to do that in the details, the nitty gritty. How do you establish relationships with people on the ground so that they're willing to to trust you, to hear you out when you say that this is, you know, these are the strategies that you might need to implement in order to receive 
overseas donations or here's what American or English reading audiences, you know, here's how they're used to being approached or here are the tools that they're familiar with. So globalization is really like super local. It's, it's really in the nitty gritty, it seems. It's really wonderful that you opened up this opportunity and uh, maybe who knows, there could be other fundraisers or other applications in the future. The fundraiser is live now and how long do you intend to run it? As we've thought about it, you know, I think it will be ongoing as long as as, as we're on lockdown, as, as folks are in need. I think we're hoping as the lockdown continues and even coming out of the lockdown as, as people sort of have the you know, nervous anxiety of going back into, into normal life, um, these needs will continue to happen. So we're hoping that it will continue on. But of course, time is of the essence. So our goal is to you know, get the word out there as quickly as possible and, and hope that we can help several of these organizations. I think a really important reminder, uh, just to follow on Catherine's point on donations, particularly from abroad, money goes a long way here. And you know, $10 is one whole night to maintain shelter for the 20 residents at the home that Catherine mentioned. And $35 goes for two whole weeks of food for a family. Not a lot of money goes a long way. But it is a time of times of the essence uh, situation here just to make sure that these folks are, are taken care of through these donations. But we'll continue. These are organizations that exist um, evergreen. They continually do good work for people who are in need uh, during COVID and outside of COVID. And so we're hoping to bring more attention to organizations here from the diaspora uh, so they know that they can contribute to, to the mother country, to those that live here. So we'll see. I suspect this is something we'll continue to do, especially now that Catherine and the team have figured out a technological approach to this to make it simple, to make it easier to surface causes and for folks to continue to more easily donate and discover new reasons to donate. Uh, this could be something we continue into the long term. Uh, but for now, it's, you know, if we, you know, within the next week or two, we get a, a decent amount of donations in to service these organizations. It's a good question. I do think it's something, I don't know if we've talked about it too much, but it's something we could continue pretty much into perpetuity for other reasons. But for now, for the for the COVID thing, hopefully open up their, open up their wallets and donate in, in the next couple of weeks. Our fundraiser goal is US 10,000. And it will be matched by members of the host committee with their personal resources. And so we hope to hit that as soon as possible. We actually are planning on launching at the time of this recording, maybe within the next day. (laughs) And so by the time of this recording being published, I think hopefully we'll have made some progress already. And I think, Jane, you also mentioned this in the comments. I think it's a great point that... We welcome everybody, not just diaspora, to donate. Our initial target audience was thinking about second generation Taiwanese Americans who love Taiwan, um, but as Kevin mentioned, may not be able to read um, Chinese language websites. And so this was the original audience we wanted to reach. There are a lot of people in Taiwan who also can't read Chinese, are, are primarily English speakers. And so this fundraiser is for them too. Um, and it's for friends of Taiwan around the world who want to help. And I, I was personally also really inspired by how diaspora have mobilized in India and Indonesia, for example. These countries are going through some really, really difficult um, and devastating outbreaks. And their diaspora pulled together fundraisers quite quickly. And I think one of the key differences, and I think this is something that Taiwan really could learn from, is that they had organizations on the ground already that had set up long-term before COVID English language donation sites that could take money from PayPal, Venmo, 
um, and foreign credit cards. Yeah, if there's one thing that um, we know is that Taiwan really does capture the heart of like so many people around the world who care about Taiwan um, of all kinds of backgrounds. <laughs> and there are people who come to Taiwan even for the first time and just feel at home here. So I think that is, while Taiwan is in need right now, we hope that people who want to, you know, give back at this time, yeah, have a chance to. Yeah, you guys are filling up the gap in so many ways. Mentioning the language gap is also very important too. So I really commend you on your efforts. Um, and hopefully this is going to open up a lot more opportunities, maybe for other organizations. And because you guys have set up this infrastructure going forward, um, there could be more possibilities. Is there anything else that you'd like to let my listeners know about the fundraiser? Yeah, I'd um, like to give a shout out to our co-organizers, one of them being Tate Sai. <laughs> first of all, for introducing Catherine and I to begin with when I first came back this round, but also just, you know, having his communications expertise. Like Tate has worked in the White House, you know, and has always been in communications. So he has put together our whole rollout plan and uh, a lot of the kind of PR aspects of any kind of launch like this. So... Yeah, there's just a lot of behind the scenes work that all our team members have really been invested in. So as Jane mentioned, I wanted, we want to give a shout out to our fellow organizers and hosts. And so just once again, to thank Jonathan for building our website and also really being a good point person for someone like me, especially who hadn't lived and worked in Taiwan before. I think his kind of insider knowledge about Taiwan and his experience here was really critical um, to helping me navigate the sort of social convention and um, communication issues that I, as somebody who Mandarin improved dramatically this last year <laughs> that I was here, um, just needed. You know, I needed somebody who, who knew what it was like to work with organizations on the ground here. And for Tate, to invite on uh, Laura and Kathy, who are both powerful leaders in the community and will, you know, be helping us spread the word and, you know, inviting more people to donate. Great. Well, thank you very much. I'd like to thank all of you for, for taking time out of your schedules to be here to talk about your fundraiser. Really excited to see how um, things uh, progress with it. Thank you, Felicia. Thanks so much, Felicia. Thank you so much for having us on. I've been speaking with Catherine, Kevin, and Jane, three of the organizers of the Taiwan COVID Relief Fundraiser. To learn more about the fundraiser and to donate directly online, visit TaiwanCOVIDRelief.com. Be sure to also visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com, where we will share links to items mentioned in this episode. Talking Taiwan publishes new episodes weekly, and it's thanks to the support of listeners like you that our work is made possible. You can help us grow and continue producing engaging content by making a contribution on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Talking Taiwan. Supporters can snag a Talking Taiwan tote bag. Be invited to a quarterly AMA or Ask Me Anything session with me, Felicia Lin, the host of Talking Taiwan, or receive advanced notification of future guests. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, tell a friend about us, or help others discover Talking Taiwan by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. 
Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.